0: So now we stand to hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Blessed, or have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. This is the eighth day of the resurrection, the first day in the second week of Easter. Just as God commanded the Hebrews to count the days from the offering of the first fruits at Passover, and on the fiftieth day, seven weeks and one day, they were to come once again in festival celebration. And so we count from our celebration of the resurrection of the Lord, 40 days until the ascension, and then 10 more days, 50 days in all, till our celebration of Pentecost, the day that we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the inspiriting of the body and the embodying of the spirit that is the church. We count and we order our day. And our liturgical calendar orders our days as we rehearse the great story, our great story. We begin our year with the anticipation of Advent and the celebration of the Incarnation at Christmas. Then we move through Epiphany and Lent. And now we come to the Easter season, these 40 days in which we celebrate and remember the time that the risen Christ spent physically present with the disciples teaching, revealing, preparing, and healing. Our lectionary during this season takes us through the first letter of John. This letter will be the focus of our Sunday sermons for the next five weeks, and I invite you to read this short letter, start to finish in one sitting, as part of your devotional reading during the week. So let's look at the context of this letter before we look at the passage that we read today. You know, we call 1 John a letter, but it doesn't really have any of the marks of a letter. It doesn't have an epistolatory greeting. It doesn't have a signature. It actually reads much more like the manuscript of a speech, a sermon, or a homily. And in fact, it fits nicely into the category of, read- or the category of spoken word used for encouragement, the same type of speech that we encountered in Advent when we looked at Paul's written speech delivered to the church at Thessaloniki. It does not argue one side against another, but instead it offers praise and honor and exhortation to form that uses repetition and just a little bit of hyperbole to build up a group to encourage and sustain their community together. We might think of it much like a coach's halftime speech. So now we have an idea about the type of sermon we'll encounter in 1 John. Now we can ask, who wrote this and to whom was it written? Tradition holds that the apostle John, the son of Zebedee, brother of James, is the author of the Gospel of John, the epistles of John, and the revelation to John. Scholars continue to debate the actual authorship, and come to a variety of conclusions as to who actually put pen to paper in these books. But it does seem to be clear that the themes and the intended audience of all of these writings come from the same school of thought, probably from the same person, and they're all written to the same group of churches in Asia Minor, as we look specifically the homily we find in 1 John, we can picture a church, a church gathered largely of people from a Jewish heritage. For while the rhetoric, the style of speaking is Greek, the references and the reasoning are pulled from the wisdom tradition found in Hebrew scripture and Hebrew literature. We can also picture a church that is increasingly torn between two worlds, between the Jewish synagogue that is increasingly antagonistic to those who claim that Jesus is the Messiah, and the world of the Gentile, the culture that is increasingly hostile to those who refuse to worship the patron gods of the city and the gods of the Roman Empire. Finally, we see a church wounded by recent schism as we hear about those who have gone out from us, And those who deny that Jesus is the Christ. It is into this church that John speaks encouragement to hold fast to the truth, even when it seems that everyone is against you. And this is the truth that John proclaims and that we find repeated in our passage today. Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus is the Son of God. Really remarkably similar to what we hear as we will walk through Mark during the, the green parts of the year. This is the gospel of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God.
1: And This is not
0: an abstract truth. This isn't a truth that sits out there and is true but has no meaning for us. This is life-changing, transforming truth. We hear in John's sermon. That by believing this truth it is by believing this truth that Jesus is the Son of God that we become children of God and that as children of God this truth binds us together in the love that is from God we hear from John's gospel today a similar message these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that by believing you may have life according to his name you may have life taking his name upon you as child of god and just as this is not some abstract truth this believing that we are called to is not simply an intellectual assent. in fact this is such a counterintuitive belief that the encounters that we with the risen Christ, begin with Jesus countering the rational, intuitive fear of the disciples with the authoritative proclamation, peace be with you. We read today about a beautiful grace, a grace-filled encounter with the risen Christ as the Lord provides Thomas with the tangible, physical contact that he desires, and in believing the truth of the risen Christ, we hear the life-changing response. My Lord and my God. Believing this truth of who Jesus is, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, our Savior and our Redeemer, our Lord and our God changes who we are. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, declares John. Our identity is is no longer defined by our parents, by our nationality, by our socioeconomic status, by our education, or our occupation. Our identity is no longer defined by our behavior, by our self-righteousness, or by our sin. Our identity is no longer defined by the labels that the world would put upon us. Our identity is now defined solely as child not only is our individual identity reordered and transformed as we believe this truth that jesus is the christ the son of god our cultural and communal identity is reordered and redefined no longer is my community defined by class or citizenship in the cities or the nations of the world no longer is my community defined as people like me or even as people i like our communal identity is defined and formed by love for those who have been born of the Father. Our individual and communal identity is formed as we love and obey his commandment to abide in him, to love one another in the sacrificial and self-giving way that he has shown us in Jesus. John knows, and the people hearing this letter know, that the world will resist this truth. And deny this identity. The world will lift up its idols and demand that those idols be worshipped in order to participate in civil and economic life. John has no need to describe the challenges of the world. It is likely that he is writing this letter from prison or exile. Instead, John simply proclaims this life-changing truth that by holding fast in faith, By knowing, by knowing deeply that Jesus truly is the Christ, the Son of God, and by living according to this truth, by loving God and loving the children of God, the world and all its challenges is overcome. Later, John, writing from Patmos, will describe the prophetic vision of the world overcome. He will describe Satan, the deceiver of the world and the accuser of the faithful. Cast down and defeated by the blood of the lamb. Oh, the power of those words. The power of that vision. Satan, cast down by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They love not their own lives, even as the world put them. John will describe the great glory of the multitude beyond number from every language and people and nation gathered and standing before the throne of glory, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. John describes the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. He describes the fullness and fulfillment of our identity as beloved children. You know, I'm not so sure that we are that different from the people to whom John wrote this sermon. We stand in an uncomfortable in-between. We stand between a religious culture that is increasingly characterized more by division, accusation, and vitriol than by love, and between that and a culture that increasingly demands that false gods are worshipped in order to participate in civic or economic life. We need the hope and the encouragement that John provides. We need the vision of the future that John provides. We are not that far from this church in Asia Minor. We can probably ask the same questions that David Silva's fictionalized Ephesian Christian, one who might have been a part of that congregation to whom this letter was first read, who asks, do I love God enough to keep his first and most basic And do I love the people around me, those in my church and those who worship idols? Do I love them enough to tell them the truth and to warn them of the dangers that they do not see? So how do we, standing here in San Antonio 20 some odd centuries later, still struggling to hold fast in faith to the truth, how do we find encouragement? John provides us a map. We must first know who we are. Because we know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, we know that our identity, the very essence of our being, is beloved child of God. Next, we need to know the end to which God is drawing all things. As the truth overcomes lies, as love overcomes fear and hatred, as the kingdom is fully manifest in the new heaven and the new earth knowing our identity and knowing god's ultimate intention we live accordingly easy to say much harder to do we must order our lives according to this truth liturgy both our corporate liturgy that orders our worship And the individual liturgies by which we order our days links how we see ourselves, how we define who we are, links that to how we see our purpose, the ultimate end to which we look, that for which we strive, that for which we labor. In geeky terms, liturgy is the bridge that connects ontology to teleology. Liturgy connects the essence of who we are with the grand plan of God's creation. If we have a view of who we are that is not grounded in truth, if we define ourselves as anything other than children of God, the liturgy of our worship and the liturgy of our lives will not lead us to the glory that God intends for us. Similarly, if we envision a plan and purpose of God other than the one that he has revealed for us, our liturgies will worship so, as we worship together today, using this liturgy, together to come to this table, let us know and proclaim this truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Because we know that this is true, we also know that we are His beloved children. As beloved children, we come with confidence to participate in love to participate with all the communion of saints, to come and join our voices with the great multitude singing the song of eternal praise. We participate in, and at the same time, we look forward to the wedding feast of the Lamb. We're reminded of and we rehearse the ultimate intention, plan, and love of God as our true identity and our ultimate purpose are linked in our corporate worship. May they also be linked in the way that we order our lives. For indeed, by faith, we who are born of God have overcome the world in the name of the Father and the Son.